Support for this podcast comes from Dynamic Air Quality Solutions. Dynamic manufactures IAQ products based on the science of clean air. Dynamic's clean air defense system products are supported by technical and communication IAQ training that is second to none in the industry. For more information on how to get your team confident in communicating IAQ challenges and solutions on every call, email Michelle Hogan at mhogan at dynamicaqs.com. I think the last three years, it's been 40% growth kind of year over year. Uh, I think first year SGI was like we did 350 in revenue. Mm-hmm. Then we pushed for like 600. And then last year we finished up 818. And I did have that 40% uh, increase for this year at 1.2. We we did revise it a little bit due to the COVID thing. As much as I don't yeah. ever like to lower my goals, I I wanted to still make something attainable for the guys. And the 1 million, we're going to make the push to hit that. That's awesome. And I mean, you're doing that also at 20 something percent net, which is that you know, everyone gets excited by top line growth. But hey, you're not making anything off of what's it matter. So uh, has that net profit also accelerated light at that steady pace or or was it just this year or last year where the big change came? Uh, so last year, net profit, we were still at like 18 and a half percent net profit for the year. Awesome. Um, and this year we're at uh, at 24% year to date so far. I can't remember back three years ago, but we were definitely that, you know, the profitability has to be there for the growth. If not, you're, you're going to always struggle to try to grow if you're not making the money to, to reinvest back into the business. Welcome to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International, a show for residential contractors about residential contractors. We chronicle business journeys, share insights, and celebrate successes in this wonderful industry. I'm your host, Bob Houchin. Hey there, podcast listeners. Often I talk to contractors who measure success in terms of revenue dollars or trucks. They aspire to be a $10 million company, have a service van on every street in town. But here's the truth. All too often, more money, more trucks, more people, it all can lead to more problems. The true definition of financial success in business is net profit, period. It's the money at the bottom line you can put in your pocket if you want to, or you can invest back in your business to properly grow it. That's what matters. Today, I'm really excited to bring to you a conversation I had with Joe Voci of JDV Electric in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania, which is right outside Philly. Joe's a reminder of what success in business really is. Joe is a small business, just three trucks, one of which he runs. But JDV Electric has managed to grow 40% each year while maintaining around a 20% net profit or better. Look at that number, 20%. Joe's managed to enjoy such success by doing two things exceptionally well. One, he and his team invest the time and energy needed to run service calls the right way. They capitalize on opportunities while turning customers into fans. Two, Joe fiercely manages his business by the numbers. He knows what his KPIs are. He knows what they should be. He monitors his PL like a hawk, and he makes changes if and when they're needed. Joe is actively managing and improving his business while also working in the field full-time. It is possible, friends. So Joe is a real success story. What Joe is doing and how he's doing it is what business owners should really aspire to do. Don't focus on the top line and the truck numbers. Focus on that bottom line, which is what will sustain the business for decades. So with that, I hope you enjoy our conversation and pick up another two. 
All right. Well, Joe, thank you so very much for your time. I know it's a precious commodity these days. Um, for those listening, could you please share with them uh, your name, your company name, and where you're located? Sure. My name is uh, Joe Voci from JDV Electric, located right outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, in Lansdowne, Delaware County. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, for just so everyone understands kind of the size of your business, kind of share what the makeup is. Uh, you're pretty lean and mean. How many uh, techs you have in the field? Who do you have uh, in the office? Sure. We have uh, three technicians in the field, including myself and one helper. Um, and we have one person in the office taking care of the phones. Her name is Michelle. She does a lot more than the phones. Sure. And uh, I also have my father kind of part time in the office as well, handling things. That's great. That's great. That's wonderful. And we are talking today because according to Sonia Fryer, your uh, ESI coach, you have just been absolutely killing it the last few months. Your net profit is sky high. Maybe kind of share with everyone where you're at year to date in terms of net profit. Sure. Year to date net profit, we're at uh, 23 percent. Um, and we've been tracking, you know, year over year since joining SGI making sure that our profit and loss statement is, is following the SGI model, making sure we have, you know, our gross margin just right. Um, so doing that's been able to, uh, been able to get our net profit where we need to be. That's super exciting. And we'll, we'll dig more into how you got to that point in, in a few minutes, but before we do so, uh, the part I always enjoy, and I say it in every interview is learning everyone's story because everyone has a unique story. And uh, so, for you, Joe, how did you get into the trades? I, I read on your website you liked working with your hands. So is it just something you knew inevitably in high school you wanted to do something like this? Yeah, so high school, uh, school, school honestly wasn't for me. I, uh, I, didn't finish, I didn't finish high school. I dropped out. And uh, at that point, I had a decision to make. I either – I wanted to be either a car mechanic or an electrician. And luckily, I went the choice of electrician. Uh -huh. And uh, – Within dropping out, I, I graduated from trade school and got my GED within a year and just got the ball rolling. Uh, school school really wasn't for me. Thank God uh, I, I found, you know, doing electrical work and it, it's treated me well. So Yeah. How did you decide on those two options, electrical or, or car repair? Did you have any friends or family or just said, hey, it looks like something I'd be interested in doing because you looked it up or something? Uh, I had like a distant friend that was an electrician and I always kind of was intrigued with wires, taking things apart. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just thought it was cool. Yeah. So it, it ended up, it ended up being a great fit. I'm, I'm glad I didn't go the mechanic route. I'll tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. All right. So, uh, you know, you graduated from trade school and, uh, you got licensed in 2001. Do I have that timeline correct? Uh, it was actually around 2004. I think the, uh, yeah, a couple couple years later, uh, you get certified here. We don't have a state license in Pennsylvania, so it's a little bit uh, the timeline's a little off on there. But okay. 2004, I was licensed. Okay, very good. And 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 that during that time, you were working for a a large uh, electrical contractor. Is that accurate? Uh, I was working off and on with a friend of mine. wasn't necessarily a large electrical contractor. I knew I always wanted to be in business for myself. Okay, and uh, just kind of went that route. Okay, very good. And then you went, you, when did you open uh, JDV exactly then? What year was that? Uh, 2005. 2005. So that was always the plan was to go ahead and, and do that on your own then ultimately. Yeah, always on my, you know, to, to uh, work for myself was the, the ultimate goal and own a company to, you know, 
give opportunity to other people was uh, was my plan. That's good. All right. You know, up at that point, were you always in, in residential electric or were you, you know, was your previous experience with commercial, industrial or, or were you always more in the residential space? No, it was always residential space. Uh, it's something that I wanted to specialize in. I didn't have any interest in going in commercial or industrial or anything like that. But I was in the new construction uh, racket and okay. working for general contractors. <laughs> And uh, I finally broke free of that a couple of years ago, and it's been okay. uh, it's been a blessing getting okay. getting rid of that work. All right, we'll dig into that a little bit in in a minute here. So so yeah, how did you know? Here you are, a young guy. You want to start your own business. You got to find business. So was it well? You know, how did you how did you find your your first uh, your first customers? Was it all? So it was always construction. Then you just start bidding on stuff, or how did you get rolling? Yeah, it was uh, it was bidding on things, word of mouth, and actually the first advertisement I did was just in a local paper, mm-hmm. and that's how I kind of started doing service work years ago. Was in a little little ad. It was maybe three hundred dollars a month, mm-hmm. and I, I think with that one little ad, I was you know maybe doing a hundred thousand dollars of revenue with that with that one ad. But you know at that time I had no overhead or anything or didn't know what I was doing. So sure, sure. That's funny. That's funny. But at some point, though, the the new construction crept in, and that took more and more of your time. Yeah, it took more and more of my time, and then I realized I wasn't making any money and was getting into debt with that. And uh, I I seen other large companies in my area being successful doing residential service, right. and I just wasn't sure how to go about that. Right. And I knew they were knew they were making money or appeared to be making money, so. Uh, I found SGI and, you know, it's been a, it's been a blessing ever since. So, yeah, so that was, uh, you started in 05, you joined us, I think in July of 2015, if that sounds accurate, according to our handy dandy sales force. So, uh, yeah, let's just talk, I mean, over those, that 15 year period, were you mostly just you and one other or two other guys, or I, you know, I hear lots with new construction that you, you get a bunch of guys and then you ultimately had to lay them off when you transitioned over. So what was your story like? Yeah, I mean, we had, I think at the most, I had uh, maybe two other employees. Uh, I, I did keep it always small. Uh, I always envisioned myself of, of owning the company and being out of the truck, didn't know how to make that transition. Sure. Um, and that was probably, you know, hiring guys really not capable of doing the work, so you had to keep a close eye on them. Sure. Um, but, you know, they're the struggles of, of owning a business, and you learn you learn along the way. Yeah. How much, uh, by the time 2015 rolled around, you found us, how, you know, how um, you said you were in some debt, how bad was it at that point? It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. I think at that time I was probably only like 15,000, which is still a lot of money. Sure. But, uh, it wasn't some of the stories I hear where, you know, people are are severely, uh, in debt. So fortunate, fortunate with that. That's good. But you were just, you were just sick and tired of the same old same. It sounds like, you know, you're like, there's gotta be a better way. Yeah, I did a new construction project, and then at the end of it, you know, we, we did like six brand new homes in the development, and by the end of it, I owed $15,000 on a credit card and was like, this is this is insane. I, I can't go on like this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, why are you busting your hump to, to get no return? Uh, so, all right, so the, let's let's talk the connection with SGI. Was Did we find you, or did you find us doing some digging online? So, I mean, I probably got a postcard back in 2009 from SGI and was like, yeah. oh, man, what's this postcard? It sounds good. It almost sounds too good to be true. You know, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, and then I went to a profit day in 2013. Oh, okay. And I still didn't I still didn't join up. But uh, 
I knew going in the when I was twenty fifteen that I was that I was definitely signing up. So okay. Um, I, I look back on it all and should have joined up back in 2009. But That's funny. That's really funny. Okay, well, so you do join, and let's see, 2015, were we, were we in Sarasota then still, or are we in Dallas? My timeline gets all mixed up. It was uh, it was right at the end of Sarasota Day, so I went to Executive Perspective. It wasn't Sarasota. I think it was the last one there. Okay. Um, Very good. And, and then you put – yeah, talk to me. What are what you know? I know it's everything. I've you know. Well, it, I know it's a heavy week, especially when uh, you're you're not familiar with the model. Um, by the end of that week, what uh, do you, what two or three major things did you know you needed to do as soon as you got back home? Uh, you know, first we had to get uniforms and the pricing structure in place. Mm-hmm. So we had we had got our price books by like October first. I went to EP in September, October first. We had our price books and started using it. Um, and then it took me about I think six months to maybe get a hang of how to price these jobs, right. making sure that we're getting profitable and honing in on my numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, then then I really started to look to hire people because I know I had to train them to run service calls the right way, yeah. and I had to make sure I was doing that the right way first for sure for sure now when you said you know you adopted straightforward pricing what were you previously were you doing time and material or did you have some other kind of flat rate system i had another flat rate system that was you know similar to the straightforward pricing but it wasn't as good as straightforward pricing and being able to present the book to the customer Mm -hmm. didn't have the value propositions early on to kind of build that into it i didn't have i didn't have any of that so Mm -hmm. it was it, it was challenging building value uh, with the customer prior to SEI learning how to how to do all that. Sure, sure. Uh, and then you said you had to learn how to you know present it yourself, and obviously you know that's that's a big key to it. Did you go to uh, any service essentials classes? Did you just go talk to other members? You talked to us. I guess Sony was was with us back then. How how did you get up to speed? I think a, a little bit all of the above. Uh, went to service essentials, did the advanced electricians class. Um, I, I learned a lot just from other members as well, um, knowing what they're doing, how they're writing their options up, presenting it to the customer. It's it's a process, and once you start getting involved in it and learning the right way, it works if you follow it. Yeah, yeah. When did you feel like you really grasped it? Did it take how long to take it? A few months? Did it take a year? You know, where you're like, this is the back of my hand. No, it took me. It I think it took me a, a good year. By by 2017, you know, 2016 was the first year kind of really running the SGI model, and it was just me in a truck. I I didn't really have anybody with me at that time. Yeah. 2017 is when I you know started hiring some people and you know being able to train it. Okay. When did you go to uh, the advanced class? I'm always intrigued by those members who go to those. So I've heard great things. Uh, yeah, I actually, I, I went to the, the beta class, the first one that rolled out. And yeah. then I rolled, uh, I, I went again, uh, Carrie Atkins taught the, the class as well. And I went to that class probably, it might've been like February of 18. Okay. So you've been to it twice then? Yes, I have. Yeah, I mean, there is maybe speak to that. There's always uh, new stuff that you can find, right? If you do, I mean, even you, you've sat through the content before, but for some reason, something resonates differently, right? Yeah, absolutely. Every time you hear it, there's one thing that you might pick up uh, yeah. that's going to help you, and yeah. that's really all it comes down to is is 
is learning that and then being able to implement it as you're, you know, running your service calls. Sure, sure. When you um, back to straightforward pricing for a minute, how how off was your pricing? Were you were you priced where you needed to be, or did that need to come up? You know, kind of the hourly rate everything's built off of the straightforward pricing. Uh, so the the first six months with joining SGI, I I still wasn't priced where I needed to be, and some of that was due to me being afraid of the price. Sure. Um, and then I realized, hey, we just have to charge what we need to charge to be in business. Uh, we got that established, and ever since then, you know, we raise our prices every year. It is what it is. Right, right, for sure. That's good. I'm glad you do it every year. That's so important because uh, you know, cost of everything else goes up. Right, for sure. Um, the value, the value part. You said uniforms. Um, I, you know, you, you, I'm sure with that came the uh, the floor savers, right? Do you guys do the mats as well around work areas? Uh, we have we, we don't have the mats, but we use drop cloths. We do the floor savers, yeah. um, uniforms, the whole nine yards. Yeah, and do you guys do the uh, what, give the pickle, the wowing the customer, always looking for an opportunity to go above and beyond, so you're memorable. Absolutely. You know, whether it's uh, pulling trash cans back up to the house or grabbing the newspaper, uh, whatever we can do. Sure, sure. Uh, and your people that want to check out your website, they can see you've got some beautiful trucks, like really nice wrap on those. When did you uh, when did you finally able to invest into those? Uh, I think the first truck we had wrapped was in 2017. Okay. And then we, we purchased two new vehicles last year and were able to get them wrapped you know, upon delivery. So. That's really nice. That's who did, who did that for? I mean, I'm sure they come up with a branding or do you have a, an advertising, an advertising agency you worked with that helped you with that? Uh, just a local company came up with it. I knew the colors <laughs> I wanted to stick with red, white, and blue. Uh, yeah. and they were able to, you know, develop something good for me. Right. That's very cool. Very cool. Um, again, those early days, um, you know, you've got uh, the young lady that's in your office that's taking calls and, and running everything. Was, was she an early hire back then so you didn't have to answer calls anymore? So you focused on the field or was that something that came, uh, you know, came after a little time and you're like, I can't do both of this? It came after a little time. I wish I could roll back and say, <laughs> yeah. you know, that should have been the, the first hire, getting somebody to handle the phones. I was relying on a call center or, you know, relying on myself to answer the phones, but if it's just one person getting started, you, you can't do everything. And most importantly, getting that phone, getting, getting the phones answered uh, is one of the most important things. That's setting the professional image right. um, for your customers calling. And what's her name again? I apologize. I should have wrote it down the first time you said it. Uh, Michelle. Michelle. So when, when did Michelle come aboard then officially? Uh, January will be two years. Two years, great. Now, how did you how did you both get her her up and running with the system? Did she uh, go to uh, you know the the phone answering class that SGI offers, or did she work with Sonia? A little bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. We sent her to training as well. Um, like I, you know, all the all the training helps if you just you know follow the system and you know follow what SGI teaches to do. It it works. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just going through some of the other the hardcore basics we always teach. Service fees, was that a new concept uh, that you employed pretty early on? Or was that always you had some kind of a dispatch or travel fee? We had some kind of travel. We didn't always have a travel fee, but we, you know, we dabbled around it before with SGI and had trouble with it on the phone. But uh, until joining SGI, we were able to, you know, get our service fee and then 
you know, sticking to our guns and not waving it. it it's yeah. tough when times get slow. You know, you're, you might be desperate for calls, but we, we do whatever we can to try to get that fee to go out there. For sure. For sure. Um, I'm sure, you know, it, you know, you, you went through all the training and a big part of that is, is learning how to talk about safety inspections. You know, we talked about the value at the value side of, of everything. So, um, Maybe, you know, just talk, how, when did you get your safety inspection up and running? When did you feel comfortable with it? Was it just all part of that training process that, that's happened the last couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, we use a, like a 10 point safety check on our calls and we started that in 2017 and that's, you know, we use that to build options for the customer Right. and really we just educate the customer. That's the biggest thing. They don't know what is, they don't know what's in their home. They don't know their electrical system. So we have to educate them on what they have. And it doesn't even become, it's not sales at that point. It's just letting them know this is, you know, the areas where you have uh, dangers and this is how we can solve that problem for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you get much pushback? Do you or do any other your techs get any pushback? Or, or are you trained it well enough where you know how to just assume that, you you know, basically make the assumption you're just going to do it unless someone stops you? That's pretty much it. We're gonna we're gonna do it unless they stop us. Um, right. And you know when I when I train the guys, that is the same thing. Uh, you have to make them believe. If if they don't believe that they're doing a, a service to the customer and making sure it's about the safety of it, because at the end of the day, that's what it is all about. It's the safety of of the customer in their home mm -hmm. and their electrical system. They don't they don't know if they have water leaking in their electrical panel. The dangers behind that. Exactly. So, we educate them on that uh, smoke detectors, you know, every, everything that's in the home. We, yep. we take time. Our, you know, our average time in the home before probably even presenting a price is around 90 minutes. That's between, right. you know, building rapport with the customer, doing this 10 point safety check. And then we get into pricing. I like it. I like it a lot. I, I just, uh, we just had a, a podcast that dropped with Sonia. I, I talked to her about, you know, uh, value added and, and how to make a great customer service experience. And I share with her, I was like, I want, you know, I had some work, electrical work, but unfortunately didn't have a, an ESI member in the St. Louis area, but, uh, you know, they did not uh, do a, a safety inspection at first. And uh, I was like, can you please look at everything else? And sure enough, I had a, a tethered service line that needed to be replied. I mean, that's a huge ticket item that they were not going to, to do. So, and it's obviously a safety concern as well. So uh, I just, I always like every opportunity I can as someone who's not technical myself, anyone listening, customers want to know. So that that is, it's, I understand that uh, it takes extra time. There's people that are always in a rush, but I'd much rather you do the work this time than coming out a second time and it's more time off work. So it, it's, it's, it truly is a, a value added type of thing doing those inspections. Um, how about with the options? Like you said, you do the inspection, you come up with the options. How long did it take you to get comfortable with with presenting good options? I know a lot of guys sometimes struggle with they'll have the home run option and then they'll have two really smaller things. And and it, it, it sometimes it takes a while, right, to learn the art of building options. Um, when did you feel comfortable with it? Uh, it definitely is. It definitely is an art because uh, you want to make sure that you're, you know, prioritizing things for the customer. Uh, I would say probably in 2018 is when I got really comfortable, uh, comfortable and confident with it. Mm -hmm. Now, how do you present? Do you present it like good, better, best, or do you provide it like a must, should, could? How do you how do you talk about options? Pretty much, uh, we do uh, like option one, two, and three. And option one is pretty much everything we find on the safety inspection report. 
plus whatever we were called for there that day, whether it's an install call or something not working. Right. And then we just option two and three, we, we take things away of, you know, order of importance. Right. So if they don't have, you know, smoke detectors per se, that's going to be, you know, on, a, on option two that we, we want to do life safety over, you know, equipment safety. So we're yeah. going to give them smoke detectors over surge protection. Right. Right. And that's how we get some, you know, a variation between it. Right. And, and you always start with a big option first. You don't go from uh, small to large, you go large to small because you're taking things away at that point. Exactly. Right. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. You know, let's talk some historical for JDV. So you said you started hiring people again after joining uh, ESI. What was that? 2017, I think is what I wrote down. Yeah. Uh, how did you find this individual? Was it just word of mouth? Did you place some ads? Yeah, I think uh, I found the uh, resume on Indeed, and uh, this is me being new to hiring people sure. and, and hiring people in a professional manner. And, you know, he came in for an interview, and it's like, okay, you fit the job criteria, you're hired. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Right. We got, we got started, and, uh, you know, months in, and it, it wasn't working. I had to look, you know, look for his replacement, unfortunately. Uh, he just wasn't suited for the service business. Good electrician. Would have been fine if he was in construction. And uh, the more I, you know, developed as an owner, I seen that and, and knew I, I had to find somebody else. Right, right, right. So, what is your uh, what is your hiring, your recruiting process look like today? Because you're a busy guy. You're in the field. You're you're running the numbers. You got a lot on your plate. So, how how frequently are you recruiting? Do you run ads all the time, just in case, or maybe talk to that for people who are listening? Sure. Uh, so, the recruiting, I definitely need to do a better job of it. Um, but we do run ads on Indeed. Um, Michelle will conduct, you know, a phone interview. If they, they passed her test and it's getting passed on to me to do uh, another phone interview and bring them in for an official interview um, in the building here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what are you looking for? Like, what kind of questions are you asking? How, what are you, uh, you know, what are you trying to get at? How do you, how do you get some honest answers? Do you have behavioral questions or, or what do you do to, to, to get to know someone and who they really are? Yeah, I mean, we have the obvious questions right off the bat about, you know, drug testing, background check, clean driver's record, um, and making sure they can actually, you know, do the work, questioning some things about their previous job history, and then behavioral questions, too. You want to kind of see how that person thinks, if they're, you know, a quick thinker, whatever we can to, to to make a good judgment call and bringing that person on board. Sure. Have you been mostly hiring experienced electricians or have you, uh, you said you have an apprentice, right? So maybe you've done a little bit of both over the last few years? A little bit of both. This would be the first uh, apprentice that we brought on, right. uh, mostly just electricians or experienced guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So let's speak. Yeah, because that is a that's a challenging thing to get someone who's used to doing service or whatever a certain way. I mean, have you had are, are most of the guys you've had success with? Have they come from the service world or they come from maybe commercial and construction and wanted to, a change or what, what's your experience been? Yeah, I think my experience has been um, younger guys that are typically, you know, looking for a change. They might be working construction. Right. And, you know, they don't see a future in it or they know there's other opportunities and it's training them on this, um, you know, how to run service calls. And they don't know the difference. Um, you know, they never done it before. So we're, we're teaching them how to do it. And yeah. I think for the most part, if you're getting the right people, they like the idea of, of a new challenge every day where 
construction can get tiring of just wiring a house every day. They like meeting new people. So you're definitely trying to look for that, that person or, or profile of a person that's energetic, yeah. happy, likes to uh, meet people and serve customers. Yeah. You can, you can tell the difference probably pretty quickly in an interview if someone likes to talk or if they've got their head down and just want to talk about the technical stuff, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, all right. So you get, you know, let's, you get an experienced electrician who uh, may know the work. Um, what is their onboarding process like? Have they just been riding with you for a specific period of time or how have you, how have you got to launch them into JDV electric so you know they'd be successful? Yeah, that's something that we're, you know, constantly trying to get better at. Uh, SGI a couple of years ago rolled out that onboarding um, stuff at Expo, which really had helped uh, with a series of videos and a workbook to go through. Mm-hmm. So when that when that came out, it it, it definitely helped. We uh, rearranged some time in the office for myself to get him onboarded as quick as we can, and then we'll shift it. You know, maybe just watching videos for two hours in the morning, and then the rest of the day he's running service calls with me to actually see it in person. Right. Um, which you know one it's one thing actually watching the videos, but then seeing it happen and yeah. seeing that it works uh, makes them a believer. So. Sure, sure. What's your experience been? How long will it take someone uh, to, to finally go, okay, where you're comfortable to put you know, him or her in a truck to run service alone? Have you had a, a normative time or is it just kind of you know, a per-person basis? I think it's a per-person per basis. Uh, on average, though, I'd like to be able to get that technician in a truck um, after a four-week period. If right. I'm confident in his technical ability, and communication ability with the customer, I don't see why we can't get him out in a you know, four to six week period. Very good, very good. Now your, your, your apprentice, how long has he or she been with you? Um, he just started, uh, we actually, we hired him pre-coronavirus. Okay. And, uh, you know, I hired him in February and then everything hit and he was supposed to start the beginning of March. And I was like, hey, Steven, I don't, I don't know if we can technically bring you on board right now. I'm gonna have to put put this on standby for right now yeah. and uh we we got him in board in, in may he came on board in may okay so he's uh he's pretty brand new how's he doing so far pretty good so far we want to uh you know have hopes to get him in a truck by uh spring of next year That's he, he's he's probably a little more than an apprentice he's he's been doing electrical work but he's new to the service world so okay. Big difference from construction aspect, so he needs a little bit of time, but I'm, I'm hopeful we can get him in a truck by spring of next year. That's great. That's great. All right, so, you know, you're, you, you onboard someone. Uh, I know, I'm assuming, just because you you filed a model that you do uh, regular training of some sort. Uh, what what does training look like at JDB Electric? What, how frequent are you doing it? What days are you doing it? What time? Uh, so we do Tuesdays and Thursdays, mm-hmm. and – we uh, start training at 7.30, finish up around 8.30. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be a mix of technical training. It'll be a mix of how to run the service call, how to price jobs. Yeah. And then just just kind of talking with the guys where, hey, what challenge did you have, you know, with, with dealing with a certain type of customer? Maybe it's a landlord-tenant call they ran into. How do you deal with this situation? Yeah. So uh, giving them guidance on that, it gives them the confidence. Right. Um, or, or if they get to a customer's house and that customer pulls out um, an invoice or an estimate from another company. Yeah. 
you know, my guys get excited now. Like if they go there and, and the customers got a quote from somebody else because I trained them well enough that they're confident they can just rip that estimate apart. You know, cool. talking about warranties, about value. And it's, it's great. I think yeah. that's where it comes from. Just having conversations sometimes with your guys because they'll let you know what they need and you yeah. just got to give it to them. Yeah, that's great. Do you guys, do you do, I mean, I know the whole COVID world has kind of changed everything, but do you do, you do huddles? Do you get to, together every morning before you head out or you just come together for those Tuesdays, Thursdays? Uh, we come together. I mean, for a little bit, we dispatch from home, but we're such a small yeah. group that, you know, we just stay in contact with each other, make sure everybody's feeling well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If not, then we, then we address it at that point. Support for this podcast comes from Rhino Fleet Tracking. Rhino is an industry-leading commercial vehicle tracking company with an array of vehicle and equipment tracking solutions, which provide you valuable data about your drivers and fleet. Their live Texas-based customer service has led them to more than 12 years of success. For SGI member discounts and more information, visit rhinofleettracking.com. Something we roll out at Expo, I guess not lose track of time not too long ago was performance the idea of performance management and talking with people about what's expected of them and and, you know how to monitor performance and how to coach people versus you know just kind of say hey you need to do this so um how do you talk to your to your guys about uh you know goals do you guys set goals for performance and how do you nurture them are you watching tickets all the time and what's what's that look like at jdv electric yeah absolutely so we, I got to do a better job, honestly, of, of coaching my guys as far as their goals. We, we do set some goals for them, and that's where over the last couple months I'm getting into it where actually saying, you know, this is what we need to hit your goals, whether it's a, a monthly goal, yeah. you know, broken down into the day, average tickets. They're all, they're all doing very well, though. We have a company average ticket of uh, a little over $1,500 awesome. uh, right now for the year. Yeah. I was going to say, I see numbers behind you. So you definitely are talking numbers with everybody, it sounds like. So you got scoreboards, I guess, in the office and all that good stuff? Yeah, we have the uh, the KPI board up so they know exactly where, they're, where they need to be. Great. Um, what? This, uh, beh- behind me there is our, our goal, a million dollars for the year. That's so awesome. We, we broke it down to how many days we have left to hit it and how much revenue per day we need. So every That's day, everybody gets to see it, and we're all fighting hard for it. See, it's neat. So everyone's taking ownership of it. It's not just uh, Joe's business and he's trying to make money and, you know, I'm just getting paid whatever. They are all, you guys are working towards it as a team. Oh, absolutely. And I let everybody here know that it's a team effort. It's not just me. It it starts at the phones when Michelle's answering and booking that call. Uh, If she doesn't set that lead and do a great job there, then we don't get the opportunity. Right. And then we do get the opportunity. We got to make sure we go out there and shine and give that customer the best experience possible. Right. How do you, how do you how do you comp your guys? There is there any incentives? Are they getting uh, spiffed on certain types of things? And you know, because you can do all the great job you want in building culture, but every once you know, money does matter to an extent, right? So how sure. do you how do you motivate them on that in that way? Yeah. Right now we're we're doing hourly plus commission. Mm-hmm. Um, I have you know thought about using the new comp model. And that's something, you know, it's a little scary for me to get started with. When you're talking about people's pay and messing with their pay, it's always a a scary thing. And I think at some point down the road, that'll come where I can offer guys that that opportunity. 
Right. And uh, that's, you know, kind of what we're shooting for, to be able to give them that option. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah, we, we we work with a lot of companies. Everyone seems to do something different. Whatever works for you, you know, it works for you. Uh, what What is the threshold they have to get in order to, to get commission dollars? Is it a total sales? Is it, is it you know, how, how do you uh, commission them? Yeah, they're commissionable. Any job over $750 is eligible for a commission. Okay. Um, and they, they would earn 3% over the uh, $750, which mm-hmm. everybody's average tickets here are well above a thousand. So they don't, they don't have any, any issues hitting that, uh, that yeah. commission mark. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, that's a fantastic average ticket. So um, let's talk about KPIs. You, you mentioned we talk as, about KPIs as a team, which I think is fantastic. What, what KPIs do you really focus on with those guys about, you know, we need to watch this. Is it, you know, the gross dollars? Are we talking, per, you know, closing percentages? What, what do you like to talk about every week? Yeah, with when I'm training with the guys, you know, we're talking about conversion rates and average ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest thing, you know, if their conversion rate's low, well, why is it low? You know, more than likely they're having an issue building value. So we're, you know, we could see where the weakness is and, and train them more on it. Yeah. Yeah. When did you finally get a strong, you know, uh, grasp of the KPIs? I'm guessing you do a deemer every, every day or, you know, something like that. So, you know, where yeah, every, everybody's got their own variation of it, but yeah, we, we do, we do something to track our numbers every day. Good for you. Um, I think a, a lot of that stuff, you know, we get it from SGI, but a huge part of kind of what I'm doing here comes from our profit platoon as well. Right. Uh, because we get together once a month for, I think it's going on three years now. Oh. And uh, that's, that's instrumental. And, uh, you know, I know in my success and, and other members of the uh, profit platoon success as well. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. So, uh, what, what, if you wouldn't mind, share with everyone the the, the Profit Platoon team because it's quite the team. Yeah, so we have uh, myself, West Carver Electric, uh, Dream Team, Martello Electric, Brad Brown Electric. Uh, I'm probably going to forget a few people here. Clinton Electric comes up from Maryland. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we got uh, One Call Electric. Uh, from New Jersey, John Anello comes down from Connecticut. Yeah, so we got we got quite a crew here. That's a good group. That's a really good group of people. It's a really good group of people. And I I do have I don't know if you know I'm on the uh, I'm CC'd on those emails. And every once in a while I look up I go what is going on? I've got 80 emails, <laughs> but it's great. You guys do a great job of communicating with each other. Um, how did that start? Did it happen at an expo? Is that how they got started? Uh, so it was probably the, one of the first expos, I think it was in Vegas back in, uh, I guess that was the spring a couple of years back. Yeah. It was, I think the first expo, maybe Wes Carver had attended me, him and Andrew Martella had got together and said, Hey, when we get back from expo, you know, we heard about this prop platoon thing. Maybe we should get together and see what, see what happens. Right. And, um, right. kind of the rest is history after that. That's cool. It started. It started out with just a few of us, and then uh, it grew. We invited more people. Yeah, and we're interested, and uh, it's definitely it's definitely a great thing. Yeah, share maybe share with other members how you so you guys get together in person. You try to, and I, I know not everyone can make it, but once a month, right? You just rotate through each other's offices. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, once a month, we rotate. You know who's who's getting the visit, and we have a uh, like an accountability form that we would fill out. 
mm-hmm. and see, you know, while we're there, we're kind of dissecting that company to see where we can help them. Right. You know, whether what's what's going good for them and what areas they need help to improve them. Right. So sometimes, you you know, there's nothing like when you're actually going to a person's business and seeing it firsthand. Sometimes yeah. you can talk, you know, over the phone and have these conversations. But until you actually there and, and somebody else is maybe getting another set of eyes on your business, you can never get the full perspective like just visiting another company. It's, sure. Uh, sure. It's definitely huge. And I'm sure you see, once you start seeing what other people are doing, whether it be good or bad, you go, oh, wow, we're doing that too. Or, you know, right. There's a yeah, lot of, absolutely. you're benefiting from it as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody benefits from it, uh, no matter what stage. Cause you know, we have uh, companies that are doing over a million dollars. We have companies that are doing over 2 million yeah. and, you know, some companies that are just doing a couple hundred thousand, but everybody mm-hmm. can take something. We're all, we're all trying to learn and grow. Sure. How much has that added to the accountability? Because you know, as a business owner, you know better than, than me for sure. You know, you've got yourself, right? So if you want to slough off, you can slough off. But if you've got this group of guys that's gonna gonna rag you a little bit, is that definitely help get things implemented and stay on on target with making changes that are necessary? Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're getting this help from, from other members. They're coming here and, you know, they're, they're taking time out of their day to come and say, Hey, you know, these are some areas of your business that, you know, problem areas that you should work on. Right. Uh, and if you don't want to take that time and, and follow their advice or do something about it, it's almost kind of disrespectful in a way, I think, because right. everybody's, you know, making time available to come help you. So. Right. So let's uh, let's talk about how how, J, how how has JDB grown since let's see 2017 I think is when you kind of you started hiring so what how how's revenue grown year after year has it always been steadily going up and have you steadily been improving that net profit percentage as well absolutely um, so I, I think the last three years it's been 40 percent growth kind of year over year uh, I think first year SGI was like we did 350 in revenue. Mm-hmm. Then we pushed for like 600, and then last year we finished up 818, and I did have that 40% uh, increase for this year at 1.2. We we did revise it a little bit due to the COVID thing. As much as I don't yeah. ever like to lower my goals, I I wanted to still make something attainable for the guys, and the 1 million we're going to make the push to hit that. That's awesome, and I mean you're doing that also at 20 something percent net, which is that you know, everyone gets excited by top line growth, but hey. You're not making anything off of what's it matter. So uh, has that net profit also accelerated light at that steady pace or or was it just this year or last year where the big change came? Uh, so last year, net profit, we were still at like 18 and a half percent net profit for the year. That's awesome. um, and this year we're at uh, at 24 percent year to date so far. I can't remember back three years ago, but we were definitely that, you know, the profitability has to be there for the growth. If not, you're, you're going to always struggle to try to grow if you're not making the money to, to reinvest back into the business. No, and let's I see. You know, I think that's fantastic, Joe. I, and it's been, you know, you said you raise your prices steadily every every year, right, to keep up with cost changes. What what else can you put a finger on? I mean, you see you see other businesses. Uh, I'm assuming not everyone's as profitable as you as you are, even of, of within that profitable tune. That's a very strong group. Well, why do you think you've been able to keep such a strong net profit percentage? Is there is there a couple, two or three things you really go out? We do a really good job of keeping an eye on this. I mean, materials, all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's all that goes into that. Yeah, I think over the last, you know, two years, I really, 
with the with the profit and loss statement was really making sure I, I always reviewed it every month, but never had a full understanding of it. And I think over the last two years, I really got a handle on uh, managing my labor and managing my material costs. Mm-hmm. And then just making sure that you're reviewing your profit and loss every month to mm-hmm. make sure that you're that you're making money. Don't you you can't wait three months, six months, or at the end of the year. Uh, you ha- you have to do it every month because then if you see if you're off course, where where do I need to change things? Right. You know, do I have too many people on board? Is my material cost too high, or is my overhead too high? Am I paying something that I that I shouldn't be paying for? Right. Right. How you kept such a good handle your manpower? I mean, I guess you're you're part of the manpower too, which helps a little bit. But but still, I mean, you know, there's overtime, and I'm sure there's always been additional business to run. I mean, do you do you run weekends all the time too? I mean, how do you keep a tight knit on it? Because that's the one that's easy to I hear all the time to get out of control. I, I'd be lying, Bob, if I said I knew. I think we uh, <laughs> we just we manage it efficient. I think a lot of our service calls we run real close to uh, our home office, where we're not spending a lot of time maybe driving around. Got so it. So I think a, a lot of our revenue comes right from you know uh, close to our office. So we we were not wasting hours driving constantly. Right. So guys, averaging what, about two calls two calls a day on average. Yeah, on average, two calls a day. I think as a company this year, we were averaging like 1.8 calls. Wow. That's I just looked. That's great. And you're on what, Monday through Friday? Do you do Saturdays as well? Is that a regular day? Or what do you guys do? Yeah, we're still working on that one, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's tough getting guys to work on the Saturday. And, you know, I understand people want to have a life outside of this. And uh, I think with the coronavirus thing, more people are home where we don't necessarily need to work the Saturdays unless, you know, you sell a job and it becomes an emergency type of deal. And For sure, for sure. Well, and, you know, I know there's companies that don't run weekends at all. They go, I'd rather make sure my people aren't uh, burnt out. So I, I definitely get that. Um, yeah, let's talk. I mean, I, I hate talking about it because I'm, I'm just sick of you talking about it, but it is a big part of what's happened the last year. The COVID thing, how... So did, did the phone slow down at first and then you, you know, people kind of got used to it and you were able to get back into the flow of, of stuff or how much did business change over that, you know, those first couple of months? Yeah. So I'm going to say, uh, everything got a little bit scary back in March and, yeah. uh, I think it came down to like mindset. Uh, when it first hit, obviously I was nervous. I never, I never really watched the news and all of a sudden I started watching the news and that was probably the worst thing I ever did. Yes. Totally. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I turned the news off and, you know, just kind of led my team here and said, Hey, you know, people are still going to need service. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to do what we can to serve them. They're going to call. I don't want to refuse anybody. We, you know, everybody still needs to make an income and we need to, you know, press forward. Yeah. And, uh, we were, we were fortunate in March. We had a large rewire project that okay. we were wiring. It was a vacant home. So it was just us going into the home. Nice. Um, that carried us to the end of March. And then we kind of just kind of didn't skip a beat, I'm going to say. We, yeah. We kind of we got lucky. Did uh, So the call volume kind of remained the same? Maybe dipped a little bit, but enough to keep everyone busy? Yeah, it definitely dipped a little bit. We were... You know, obviously, when we train the guys, we make sure we train them well enough. They were still getting their safety inspections done and yeah. still making the most out of the opportunities. That's what it, you know, it comes down to. If you got uh, less opportunities, well, we, we got to make sure we're making the most out of them. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Did, uh, did Michelle have to do a lot of outbound calling to try and, and uh, you know, load up the, the board or did really that not even necessary? 
Uh, we did some outbound calling, but honestly, we weren't having much success with trying to get it converted. Right. You know, most people were just like, oh, well, you know, we'll wait a couple months unless it was a dire need for electrical services. Uh, you know, it wasn't we weren't getting the project calls like people weren't calling for recessed lighting. Uh, it was more or less something something not working. So, yeah, yeah. His uh, his financing been a bigger thing for you, or how much do you use financing anyway? I mean, but you know, with everyone kind of scared about uh, the market initially, and how obviously things have bounced back, thankfully. But was it was that been a, a bigger tool for you guys, or you not used it as much? I, I hear all sorts of different things. Yeah, no, we offer it on every call, and uh, I think last year uh, we, we're usually around between eight to ten percent of our our total revenue was financed. Okay, so that's where we fell last year. Yeah, around eight percent was uh, was financed. Okay, interesting. All right. Um, yeah, speaking of marketing, you, you know, you have you, you 40% growth. Has it just always been taking care of the calls that you've had and that's led to the growth? Or have you had a, a big jump in new customers? And if so, where, where are those coming from? Actually, that's a good question. So, I mean, we're, I always made sure I was advertising and increasing my advertising. My advertising right now is usually at around 10 to 11% is where good. we... Uh, tend to fall. Yeah. Uh, we had I when I when I started I had a you know not so large of a customer base so we had to do the cheapest things possible to find customers and I think to date probably a lot of our our calls are really from uh, Google local search ads it's probably like okay. our our biggest resource. Okay. Do you guys do a, a club membership? I know some people are hit or miss in the electrical world. You use the safety and savings plan. Yep, I, st I started that right after uh, Expo as well. That uh, October. I saw, I remember, I still remember, I sold my first club membership and then the next day the lady canceled it. That was, <laughs> I, was, I was so happy and so disappointed, but. Right, right. So how's it doing now? I mean, do you know how off the top of your head roughly how many members you have? Uh, I'm going to say we probably have 185 members. Okay, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. So you're out there every year just checking up on those people and, uh, you know, and they're, and they're a good, uh, good way to stay busy when things slow down. Have you had to lean on that a lot, especially when the when everything slowed down at first or there was some concern? Uh, fortunate we have we have to we we haven't have to lean on it. Um, we do try to get into home every year. A lot of times it is difficult getting back in. Yeah. Uh, we will make phone calls, uh, text messages, email the customer. Um, but we try to tie that club membership back in with their warranty, with the lifetime warranty on, like, if we're replacing our electrical panel. So, you know, th they can't get that warranty if we don't get in there to check it out every year, make sure it's still staying at tip-top shape. So that's, that's how we like to tie it back. It's a great, that's a great nugget and a great, great piece of advice, uh, for sure. I like that a lot. Um, I guess we're, um, you know, covered a lot of stuff here in, in a relatively short period of time. At least it's felt that way because I've enjoyed the conversation. What um, what do you expect business to look like in the next six months, 12 months? Do you have a big uh, a goal or plan of where you want to take JDB? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I kind of just take it a day at a time. We're, we're planning on, you know, next year in my head because we didn't hit the 1.2 this year. Obviously, that's got to be my minimum goal next year is 1.2. But yeah. Uh, if I can find the technicians, I think 1.5 is easily obtainable. Mm -hmm. How about yourself? I mean, you, uh, you gotta be burning it on both ends, working in the field and, and managing the business. Is any, any plans to get out of the field yourself or, or do you just enjoy it? And you, you know, this is what you want to do. I mean, what, what do you want ultimately? No, I mean, 
I do. I like doing the electrical work. Yes. But at times it burns you out. Uh, I, I, I'm in the process now of working on getting out of the truck. Yeah. Um, and that's my advice for anybody that's still in the truck is you got to figure out how to get out of the truck as soon as possible. And I, I made my attempts before and I get out of the truck and I get pulled back in and yeah. you just got to keep moving forward to get out of the truck. Right. Right. How are you? Uh, so like, you know, you're running calls and then it, in the evening, are you checking up everyone's tickets and seeing what went right? What, what maybe here some hiccups? Is that kind of what your, your, your day looks like? Yeah. So, uh, we use service Titan for our software, so okay. I can easily just kind of check and see how their, you know, their day went. I can click on the job and see, you know, upload pictures, what estimates and, you know, what quotes they had offered the customer, what options. Um, yeah. and kind of comparing to that against what the call was there, the inspection form. So it doesn't, it doesn't take much time. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. Just in kind of wrapping up any, I mean, again, you, your growing has been great. The net per percentage is there. Any other just advice to, to you know, members listening, you, you've got it, that figured out just in how to get to that stronger net profit percentage. Because again, people struggle. That's the big thing. I, I feel like in this organization, people learn how to sell stuff and they do well with that, but it's, it's, it's holding those dollars. That's the key, right? So, well, any, any last tidbits of advice? Yeah, I guess uh, the, the biggest things for me is make sure that you have your profit and loss statement set up, you know, matching the SGI model, make sure you're checking those numbers every month. Make sure you're priced right that you can then hit that net profit. If you're not priced right, you're never going to hit that net profit. Right. So check with Sean. You make sure you're where you need to be. And, you know, just constantly review things, price shop your vendors, make sure uh, you're where you need to be. Yeah. How frequently do you do that? Do you price shop stuff? Uh, probably about once or twice a year, just yeah. making sure we're where we need to be if it's if it seems good i honestly don't check it but if something starts to seem crazy then all right we gotta make another phone call yeah that's great that's great well joe i cannot thank you enough for your time this was a, a really enjoyable uh, conversation for me i again i know you got plenty to do and, and so it means even more that you uh, set some time aside for the podcast and for members and non-members alike who are listening so thank you so much yeah absolutely thank you bob all right buddy have a great day thanks you as well That's Joe Bochi of JDV Electric in Lansdowne, Pennsylvania. Thanks for listening to the show. If you feel like you have a great story worth sharing that would also help other contractors, email me at bhouchin at yoursgi.com. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, please give us a rating. And remember, friends give fives. You've been listening to the Successful Contractor Podcast, powered by Success Group International. Support for this podcast comes from Home Depot Pro. With an inventory of more than 100,000 products, the Home Depot Pro's product selection includes both the name brands you seek and the exclusive brands you trust. For more information, go to www.ebarnett.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast is a part of the Success Group International family. SGI is the largest member-owned best practices organization for independent residential services contractors. SGI provides its members a competitive edge through proven proprietary management tools and expertise, marketing programs, training, and group buying power, along with a highly active and eager to help membership. For more information about Success Group International, visit www.yoursgi.com. The Successful Contractor Podcast 
is a production of the Aquila Investment Group, LLC, All Rights Reserved, 2020.